All right, you want to play again? We'll sing one more, probably just a couple songs here. All righty. I'll be glad when Brother Keith gets back. So. Yes. Yes. All right, number 257. Shall we? Jonathan, are we ready back there, bud? Jonathan? Jonathan, are you there? Jonathan. Oh, I can't I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. All right. Are we on the camera? We're good? Yes? I don't know. All right, I think we saw. All right. Hello, world. <laughs> All right, I think our live stream is on. So, All right, good to have everybody here this afternoon. I hope you had a good lunch. And uh, the only downside to eating lunch right before the afternoon service is you get your bellies full and then all of a sudden you want to sleep. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll either try to keep you awake or be brief, all right? So let's take our songbooks, number 257, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Number 257. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to trust his cleansing blood. Just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. All right, let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege to be here again this afternoon. We thank you for this sweet time of fellowship. 
the food that you provided for us this afternoon, not just spiritually, but also physically. And then, Father, we do pray and look forward to the time to spend together again uh, as we look into the pages of your perfect word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, have our hearts ready and our minds set to uh, pay careful attention and allow your Holy Spirit to have free reign in our hearts, that we will be able to learn from your word what you would have us to learn, and that it will be a help and encouragement to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be striving to become more of what you want us to be, that every day we draw closer to you. And Father, help us with this. We know that in ourselves we're not able to accomplish that. But if your aid and your strength and your guidance will help us, we can grow. And I pray that you would help us to do that, to seek for your assistance in it daily. Bless the time that we spend here together, that it will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, number 255 in your songbook, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, another Fanny Crosby song. And this is one of my favorites. When I, uh, If I pass away and you all are still here, I want this one sung at my funeral. I love this song. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, all three verses, number 255. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness. This is my story, this is my song. All the day long, this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Man, I'm thankful when I got saved, I put a new song in my heart. And uh, I'll tell you, we, wake, we woke up the other morning, Jonathan is not what you would call a morning person. My son, he's uh, almost 13 years old. Not what you'd call a morning person. He jumped out of bed the other morning. I woke him up and he uh, jumps out of bed, which is unusual. Uh, and he jumps out of bed and uh, he came walking in the room. He said, Dad... This is a great day today, he said. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do that every day, that God has given us another day to serve Him. And, uh, boy, what an amazing thought. Uh, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. 
And uh, we, uh, I love Sundays, I'll tell you. I enjoy that we take and set aside an entire day to put our hearts on the Lord. And we don't have to feel rushed to go to work or to be uh, tied up with all the things of this world. But once a week we can at least set aside some time and set those things aside for a while and turn our heart on the Lord. And uh, I love it. I, I love the time that we spend together. I love the fellowship. And I'm thankful we're saved, aren't you? Uh, boy, what a, what a thought that God would save us. And what a joy. Well, let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Micah, chapter 6. Micah, chapter number 6. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. So right after Jonah. All right. And if you don't know where that's at, go to Matthew and work your way backwards. It's one of the... It's one of the minor prophets, and not because he was minor, but because the length of the book is, is rather small, and, um, but a great, great uh, book of the Bible. Micah chapter number 6. What we've been doing in our afternoon services um, for probably now several, probably six months or so, maybe, or, or maybe longer even than that, um, is we have tried to take uh, certain topics and look at them from a very uh, practical, step-by-step type of approach. Um, For instance, um, we talk about the phrase that we should be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll preach sermons on things like that. And boy, they're they're powerful sermons sometimes, and we're moved by that, and we make decisions and say, Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we go home and we're all fired up about it. We're excited about it. And then, then we sit there and we're like, okay, but how do I do that? Uh, how do I accomplish that? And so what we've tried to do is to take things that oftentimes we use in our language that when we speak about things and things that we preach on and to try to give a verse-by-verse and step-by-step process of how do we accomplish those things in our life, very practical standpoint, things that we can... Um, kind of sink our teeth into and uh, take the list and, and kind of a punch list type thing, if you will, from Scripture uh, to find out how we accomplish some things that oftentimes we preach on, but we don't always go into how we do those things. And so hopefully it will be a help to you, and hopefully they have been a help to you. And so um, today we're going to take one that I think is a, is a, a very popular topic, but very, again, very vague oftentimes in our preaching on how we go about it. And that is the topic of how do we please God? How do we please God? Um, we all, I think we're all in agreement that that should be important to a Christian, don't you? Uh, we want to please God, and we preach on that often. We ought to be pleasing to God. Um, in fact, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So, but how, what does the Bible have to say about it? How we can go about pleasing? What are the things that we can do in our life that will allow us to accomplish this thing that we know we're supposed to be doing. And so we're going to take a look at that, and so keep your Bibles handy. Uh, We've got several passages to look at today, and uh, uh, hopefully when we get done, there will be a help uh, to us. uh, Micah chapter number 6, and uh, we'll start in verse number 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil, Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what, the Lord doth, uh, what doth the Lord require of thee, 
but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And what Micah is getting at here, and God had told him to speak to the nation of Israel, is that Israel had gotten to a place of uh, going through the motions, I think would be the best way to explain it. And, and by the way, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in that situation, won't we? Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. Let me tell you something. It is very easy growing up in a pastor's home to just go through the motions. Um, we, when we woke up on Sunday morning, I don't know how it was in your house growing up, but there was never a discussion about whether we were going to church or not. It was just understood, we're going to church. On Wednesday night, never. We did, I didn't ever have to say, Mom, are we going to church tonight? It was just expected. And, and, and I think that's a good thing. The problem is, if, if we are not careful, we will simply go through the, the, the process or the motions of, of doing our, our Christian obligation. And there be no substance to it. There be no heart involvement in it. Um, and there's a danger of that in the Christian life. I don't know if you've ever caught yourself there or not. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I have. I have found myself doing the things that I knew I was supposed to do, but my heart was far from it. Uh, the Bible talks about that. In fact, it says in the last days that there's going to be a time where there are going to be people that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Uh, there are going to be people that are going to go through those motions outwardly. In fact, um, if you remember, in Christ's ministry, there were uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, and Jesus called them hypocrites. Uh, and boy, what a, what a, could you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ calling you a hypocrite? Boy, talk about a scathing rebuke. And, um, but I want you to notice this. He says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Here's what his, his, his condemnation of them was. He says, outwardly you're clean, but inwardly you're full of what? Dead men's bones. He said, you're like whited sepulchers. And while he commended them for what they were on the outside, his condemnation was for what they were on the inside. And if we're not careful, and this is the thing I, I think that we don't see often, um, we will become just like the scribes and the Pharisees in our, in our Christian duty. We will become an outward shell, and the heart is far from it. It's amazing how often in Scripture uh, the Bible deals with the heart of the matter. The greatest commandment in Scripture is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Service? Is that what it is? Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy standards. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy outward appearance. What does he say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? By heart. If the heart is right, the standards will be right. If the heart is right, the outside will be right. But it is possible for somebody to try to make the outside look right and the inside be as rotten as can be. So we've got to be careful of this. And the nation of Israel had gotten to a place where they were going through the process and the form of the religious practices of the day of offering sacrifices and yet there was no substance to it. There was no heart to it. And so he comes to Micah and he says, Micah, I want you to tell the nation of Israel uh, there's some things that, that the Lord is not pleased with here. And he says in verse number 7, Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams? It's not the, the outward sacrifice that you're doing. Or, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? No, no. Not the outward stuff that you're doing outwardly. 
Shall I give my firstborn for the transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And he goes on to say, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? Notice this, he gives us three of the things that will be pleasing to him. The first one is that we are to do justly. We are to do justly. Right needs to still be right, and wrong needs to still be wrong. We're living in a day where justice, according to God's moral law, is not practiced among Christians. We are quickly trying to excuse away the things that are wrong, and we're trying to coddle the things that we have active in our lives um, that we're comfortable with and we don't want to deal with. And we are not dealing justly with things in the day that we live many times There's no justice to be found. And then we find, as he goes on to say, uh, that we're to do justly. He says to love mercy. To love mercy. And uh, how oftentimes we neglect to show the mercy that we have been shown by the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great graces of the Christian faith is that we have opportunity to display God's mercy through our conduct towards others. Somebody does us wrong. Uh, How do we respond? Do we respond with vengeance? Do we respond with bitterness? Uh, Do we respond with, uh, boy, you just don't know what they did to me, and I'm going to tell you what, sooner or later, I'm going to get them back. Or do we have mercy on them, knowing that we were shown mercy? In fact, we were shown great mercy. And he he noticed this, he says, and to walk humbly... With thy God. Our walk with God is very, very important. But we ought not walk with arrogance. We ought walk with humility with God. Not thinking of ourselves higher than we ought to. But we ought to walk with humility with our God. These are three things that Micah begins with. And he says, uh, will the Lord be pleased? And he starts saying with these things, with certain things. And of course, the rhetorical answer to that question is, No, he's not pleased with the outward things that we do. He's more concerned with what we are on the inside. Uh, A preacher said this one time, I believe it was uh, Frank Hamrick, if I remember correctly, um, who did Positive Action for Christ material years ago in the the Proteins program. Uh, I think he was the one that made this statement. He said that there are three things that make up every person. What we know, what we do, and what we are. Or you could say what's in our head, what's in our hands, and what's in our heart. And most of the preaching that we do in our churches are on what we know and on what we do. You need to know this and you need to do this. You need to know this and you need to do this. And most of our preaching centers around those two areas of a person. And very, very little of our preaching many times deals with what we are on the inside. What the Bible refers to as the inner man. And so God says this by way of Micah to his children of, to the children of Israel. He said, listen, you guys are, are working on an outward shell, and it's not trying to please God, but it's not pleasing God. What's going to please God is what you are inwardly. Is there justice there? Is there godly justice there? Is there mercy there, godly mercy? And is there a, a, a humble walk with God inwardly, that heart condition? Uh, so we find three things that... Uh, that the Bible says here are ways that we can please God. How do we go about pleasing Him? We need to do justly. We need to love mercy. We need to walk humbly with thy God. By the way, um, I I am an independent 
fundamental Bible-believing, King James Version, hellfire and brimstone preaching, Baptist preacher. Amen? I'm thankful for that. But we have many times become mean for the sake of being mean. (laughs) Can I tell you this, that even though we must take a bold stand and an uncompromising stand on the things of the Word of God, there needs to be an element of God's love and kindness through it. There is nothing compromising or or, uh, causing us to, to deviate from the things of the Lord just because we show God's love to someone. We've got to be so careful of these things. So look with me if you will in Colossians chapter number 3. So the first three that we find as ways to please God are that we need to do justly, we need to love mercy, and so far we need to walk humbly with our God. Colossians chapter number 3, we find another way that we can please God according to the Apostle Paul. We'll begin reading in, um, let's start in verse number 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making, uh, uh, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, I want to stop for a moment before we go on. I'm going to take a real quick rabbit trail, and we're going to come right back. So if you hit the timeout button on the message, we're going to take a real quick deviation. So hold the thought here. We've got three things already that we know are pleasing to God. I want to make a, a comment on verse 16, and we're going to move on. The Bible says here, and Paul says here in Colossians chapter number 3, that we're to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, and then he gives some things that are characterized by that, that we are uh, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing with grace in our hearts the Lord. In verse number 17, that we're to give thanks to God and the Father. And in verses 18 and following, that we are to be uh, submitted one to another. Three, Three big categories here that are the characteristics of letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom. In Ephesians chapter number 4, I believe it is. Let's go back. Well, let's see a minute. Uh, excuse me a minute. I'll get there. Yes, Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me now in verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Now, there are some characteristics that are associated with being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. They are one and the same. They are two sides of the same coin. In order to be filled with the Spirit, we must let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom. And in order for us to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly with all wisdom, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. They are one and the same. You cannot divorce them from each other. They are part of the same thing. Now, knowing that, we're going to untime out. We're going to come back to pleasing God, okay? That was just free. You can take that one home. I won't even charge you for that one, okay? Here we go. Verse number 18. Uh, let's go to verse number 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Verse number 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is what? Well, pleasing unto the Lord. So all you children in the building here today, Jonathan, how do we please the Lord? We are to what? Obey our parents in the Lord. Now, you say, Brother Greg, why would you throw that one in here? Jonathan's the only one that really needs that today. 
No, hold on for a moment. Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Be ye followers of God as what? Dear children, what is well-pleasing unto the Lord? That we are obedient to Him. Not as an earthly father, but as our heavenly father. This brings, this brings joy to the heart of God. Obedience. Now, if I love Him the way that I say that I love Him, that's not going to be a grievous thing for me. That's going to be something that I take joy in because I know that it's pleasing to God. The obedience will not be begrudged. It will be something that I do because I love it, because I love Him. And uh, so I want to encourage you in that. All right, uh, look with me now in Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. What else does the Bible say will help us to be pleasing to God? So, so far we have to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God, to obey Jonathan, in your case, parents, and God. The rest of us, we're to obey God. All right? Verse number 5. I'm sorry, uh, verse number 10, excuse me. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we find that there's another thing that is pleasing to the Lord. And that is that we be fruitful... In every good work, we are to involve ourselves in doing good works and be fruitful in that, and that is well-pleasing unto the Lord. We don't do good works to become saved or to keep ourselves saved. We do good works because we know that it is pleasing to God. And we do it because we've already been saved and we've been transformed from the inside out. So we're to be fruitful in every good work. This is well-pleasing unto the Lord. We're also to increase, notice this in verse number 10, that we're to increase, increasing in the knowledge of God. Now let me ask you this. How do we increase in the knowledge of God? Is, is there any way that we have at our disposal to learn more about the God that we serve? What is it? Read the Bible? That would be a novel idea, wouldn't it? Wow. Do you think that God has chosen to reveal Himself to us? He does. He does primarily through His Word. But the Bible says that even nature itself beareth witness, doesn't it? We are to look for God in all things. I was listening to a fellow years ago, Sam Gipp, who was uh, preaching, and he, talks about, he talked about the fact that so often we read the, the Word of God instead of reading about the God of the Word while we're reading it. And so often we go through the motion of reading Scripture and not looking for God in the Scriptures. It's what He's used to reveal Himself to us, to teach us things about Him. What about, the, um, uh, what about uh, the way that He works in our life? Does that reveal anything to us about our God? Certainly it does. So we are to increase in the knowledge of God. So could we say it this way, that if we study and learn more about God, that that's pleasing to Him? Could we say it that way? That we're to increase in the knowledge of God. So I think Bible reading is, is a very important thing in, in pleasing God, don't you? Let me rephrase that. I think Bible studying is necessary for pleasing God. 
because we can read, and if you're like I am, my mind gets distracted. I'm one of those ADD kind of people. You know, it's like, ooh, something shiny. <laughs> Look, squirrel. <laughs> um, and I'll be reading, and the next thing I know, my mind is on something else completely over. And I'm still reading. I'm looking at the words. I'm still going down. And I'll get to the end of something. I'll be like, what did I just read? i got to go back and do that all over again. Here we go. We can read something and not know anything about it. But for us to spend some time where we get alone, we get the distractions put away, and we say, God, I want to know you. I'm going to read your book. I want to find some things in here that tell me about you. That is well-pleasing to the Lord. Those are things that please Him. So we're to do justly. We're to love mercy. We're to walk humbly with our God. We're to be obedient to Him. We're to be fruitful in every good work. We're to increase in the knowledge of God. Now turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. And again, uh, these are ones I have found in Scripture. There may be more. I'm not telling you this list is exhaustive. But I'd far rather the Bible tell me how to do these things than to sit and try to guess or figure out on my own how am I supposed to do these things. So let's, we're looking here at what the Bible says will be pleasing to the Lord. First John chapter number 3 and verse number 22. Uh, there we go. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are what? Pleasing in His sight. Alright, so to keep His commandments and do them. Do them, not just know the commandments of God, but to put them into practice. And uh, I've used this illustration a few times before, but there is great liberty and there is great peace within the bounds of what God has established. Um, I have often used the illustration, there are some people that drive, and when they drive, they look at the speed limit as the minimum, and there are others that drive and they look at the speed limit as the maximum. And uh, there are times when I'm driving with people who look at it as the minimum that when they drive by the, uh, the state trooper who's sitting on the side of the road pointing the radar gun at them, they hit the brakes, they swerve the vehicle, they're, ah, and there's, there's anxiety there because they're operating outside of the bounds of what is lawful. On the other hand, I like to set my cruise control. And those of you that have ridden with me, you know that I drive pretty slow, okay? I hit the cruise control, <laughs> hit the cruise control, and we're not going very fast. But when I go past that state trooper, I can smile and wave at him. There's great peace there because I'm within the bounds and there is a great liberty some people look at the commands of God and say, oh, that's restrictive. He's trying to be, be overbearing on us. No, 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 no. He realizes that without bounds, we have anxiety. We don't have peace. There's only, there's only structure and there's only peace within the bounds of the commands of what God has given us to do. The greatest joy, the greatest liberty is being in the very center of what God has given us. And so the way that we are pleasing to Him is by keeping His commands, and those commands will not be grievous to us. They will be things that we look at and say, it is a pleasure and it is a joy to keep those. 
and that is pleasing to the Lord. Now look with me in Psalm 69. Psalm 69. And so, again, we have to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, to be obedient, fruitful in every good work, increased in the knowledge of God, to keep His commandments. We're almost done. We've only got a few more here. Psalm 69. So bear with me. If you're tired, just hang in there. I know it's warm and we're tired. We're almost done. Psalm 69 and verse number 30. The psalmist says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall what? Please the Lord. Better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hooves. What will please the Lord? That we praise His name. You say, Brother Greg, are you going charismatic on us? Are you going Pentecostal on us? No, no. I'm, I'm saddened that there's a movement of people out there that have robbed Christian people of this thing of praise. Because it is biblical. And it is scriptural. In fact, the biggest book that God has given us in Scripture is a book of praise. The fact that we should lift our voices up and give Him thanks and praise for who He is and what He has done. And I'll tell you, this world is starving for some some authentic and genuine Christian people, those that have trusted Christ, to stand up and give authentic praise to Him. To thank Him and to, to glorify Him. And notice he says not only that we should praise His name, but look what the psalmist says here. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will what? What is it? I love this. I will magnify Him. What? With thanksgiving. <clears throat> now, when I was a kid, I hate to admit it, I was intrigued with telescopes and magnifying glasses, microscopes, things like that. Microscopes help to see little, small things. Telescopes let us see things way out there. I loved magnifying glasses. As a young boy, those, those of you that used to be a young boy, you know why I liked the magnifying glass, right? Especially on a hot summer day. Right? Those ants didn't stand a chance, did they? Huh? But you know something that was amazing about a magnifying glass? Is it took something and it enlarged it. Can I tell you this? God is infinite. There's no way to enlarge Him beyond what He is except in our perception of Him. And in the perception that this world has of Him. When the psalmist says that we're to magnify the Lord, he's not saying that we're to make Him bigger than He is, but we are to make Him bigger in how the world sees Him. By the way, we're living in a day where God's people need to magnify Him. Because we have so minimized Him. We've so brought Him down to our human level. Have you noticed that? We have faith to trust Him for our eternal soul that is immortal. And we'll spend eternity somewhere. And we're going to entrust that precious thing to Him. And we have faith enough to do that. But we can't seem to trust Him for the electric bill. Or we can't seem to trust Him for the small things of life. Why? Because we've not magnified Him. We've actually caused Him to become smaller. We have a small view, an improper view of God. So how do we please Him? Well, we praise His name. We're to magnify Him. And the Bible says this is how we magnify Him. With thanksgiving. 
You ever notice when you start talking about how good God is, your heart, your own heart, starts to swell up about Him? And it starts to get excited about God once again? Our vision is cleared up again because we have magnified Him. Not just in the eyes of others, but even in our own eyes. That's pleasing to the Lord. So we're to do justly, we're to love mercy, we're to walk humbly with thy God. We're to have obedience to God. We're to be fruitful in every good work. We're to increase in the knowledge of God. We're to keep His commandments. We're to praise His name. And I'm not afraid of the word praise. Amen? I'm not afraid of the word worship. Amen. There needs to be a revival of worshiping God again. I'll tell you this, and I'm just going to say it, and we're not going to preach on it, but I will say this. Our public worship will never be what it should be until our private worship is what it should be. So many people put the emphasis on, on, on some kind of an outward perspective of worshiping God when there needs to be a worship in our prayer closets long before we've ever come out of them. We need to worship God. We need to magnify Him with thanksgiving. And our last one is found in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. We actually have a couple verses for this one. Romans chapter 8. And verse number 8. Paul writes, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So how do we please God? We have to deny the flesh. We have to deny the flesh. Um, you ever wanted something really, really bad and realized that it probably wasn't the best thing and you had to say, you know what, even though I want it, I'm not going to do it. I am 300 pounds, and I don't know how many times I go to a restaurant or a drive through and I get done placing my dietetic order for my pizza with extra cheese. And they ask me this, if there's ever a stupid question, this is the stupid question. Would you like to have our triple chocolate cheesecake drizzled with caramel? The answer is yes. But no, I'm not going to get it. Why? Because even though, yes, I would love to have that, it's not good. Just like the pizza with the extra cheese is not good. But there are times that we have to deny ourselves even though there's something that desires it because there's a recognition that that is not good for me and that pleases God. Look with me if you will in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we'll reinforce this particular one with this, with this verse here. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Verse number 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may what? Please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Not to be entangled with the affairs of this life. That would be the things that our flesh wants. Love not the world, the Bible says, neither the things that are in the world. 
any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. How do we please God? We, we preach on it often. We talk about it often. We make comments one to another. We want to be pleasing to God. We pray, Lord, help me to be pleasing to you. But oftentimes we don't know how to accomplish it if we don't know what pleases God. And rather than your pastor tell you what he thinks is pleasing to God, I'd rather go to the Bible and see what God says pleases God. And I hope that will be a help to you. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the day that you've given to us. What, a, what an amazing word that you have given to us. How it instructs us, it guides us, it teaches us. Lord, there are times it reproves us. We don't like that part of it. There are times it brings rebuke into our lives, and we don't like that. But we're thankful and we're grateful for it, knowing and understanding that it is necessary for us to be molded, to be grown into the person that you want us to be that is well-pleasing to you. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to allow your Holy Spirit to guide and direct, that we would be sensitive, that we would take our will and lay it aside and seek for your will, that your will would become the rule of our life and not just the exception. So, Father, dismiss us with your blessings. We thank you so much for the time today. How sweet it has been to be around your people and around your word, to sing songs that have encouraged our hearts today. May you bless this day, the rest of it, as we go forth with your word in our hearts. May we not soon forget the things that we have learned and been taught. May your Holy Spirit bring them to mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.